almost always trying to help them understand what does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And, and how does that affect our lives? Paul wrote two letters to the church at Corinth. We spend some time this morning in the second letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'd invite you to stand for the reading of the word today. 2 Corinthians 5, starting at verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do no so longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. And this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Please be seated. There's a Charlie Brown cartoon. I don't know that you can read it all. It came out a little blurry, so let me read it for you. It's, it's Linus and Lucy, Lucy, right? And Charlie Brown laying on the grassy hill looking up in the clouds. And Lucy says, aren't the clouds beautiful? They look like balls of cotton. I could just lie here all day and watch them drift by. If you use your imagination, you can see lots of things in the cloud formation. What do you think you see, Linus? Linus says, well, those clouds up there, they look to me like the map of British Honduras on the Caribbean. That cloud over there looks a little like the profile of Thomas Eakins, the famous painter and sculptor. And that group of clouds over there gives me the impression of the stoning of Stephen. I can see the Apostle Paul standing there to one side. Uh-huh, Lucy said, that's very good. What do you see in the clouds, Charlie Brown? Charlie says, well, I was going to say a ducky and a horsey, but I've changed my mind. We can look at the exact same thing and see something very different. If I asked you to look out the window today, tell me what you see. Some would say, well, you see the grass. Some would say, it looks like George Agar mowed the grass yesterday. Some would see the trees. Some would see the basketball court. Some would see the gray bus. Some would say, well, if I look at how the grass is growing based on the pattern, I see where the active green field is currently in the backyard. And some haven't even got past the glass. All they can see is the smudge that is on the window. It's not just that we notice things that are different. We interpret things differently. There are those, uh, those instances where we're able to see, what we're able to see is limited because what we believe is possible. For instance, sometimes you run into people who you run Has this happened to you where you run into somebody in a place that you've, you don't usually see them and you have a hard time? It happened to me this week. I was in at Kokanee Coffee and I'm having a cup of coffee and this woman came in and I know that I know her. You know, when she walked, if you had that experience, I know that I know her, but I not know who she is. Oh Lord, let, don't let her come over here. And then she starts to walk towards my table and I'm getting nervous. I know that I know her. But I can't think of where. And we start a conversation, which is a dangerous thing. You know, and so we're having this conversation. And finally, in the middle of the conversation, I figured out she was a mom on Harley's upward basketball team. 
And, uh, you know, then I recognized her because, see, I knew her from the basketball court. I didn't know her from any other place in life. And that phenomenon is true in, in, I think, all the areas of our life. Albert Einstein once said, we see what our theories permit us to see. And essentially what he's saying is our vision is limited or governed by our imagination. In today's scripture, Paul argues that being in Christ changes the way we see the world or it, or it ought to change the way we see the world and it ought to be, change the way we see each other and ourselves. If anyone is in Christ, he says, there is a new creation. I love this passage of scripture. It is, it is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. In fact, it is the passage of Scripture that uh, uh, in August of 1997, when I came to be pastor here, this is the passage of Scripture I preached on the first two Sundays. You know, when you're new, you just preach on the same thing over and over, uh, kind of again. But for purpose, it says so many great things. It says so many great things that we could talk about, and there's no way we could cover it all today. But So this morning, I, I just want to focus on that piece that talks about the new creation. I've always thought of this passage and, and taught on this passage in the sense that, that if you followed Jesus, if you experienced his, his radical love and grace in your life, you became a new creation. Your, your life is radically changed. I think that's a great sermon. I think that's a sermon that maybe we should preach sometime. I think it's a sermon that people need to hear. We, for too often, people have fallen in a pattern of following Christ and yet, and yet fall into a pattern of the acceptance and the living of sin in their life. And, and no, part of what Paul's saying is, you have the power through God's Holy Spirit. You're a new creation. You have the power to live a free life, a holy life. That's a good sermon. I should preach that sometime. But not today. Today I want to look at maybe a different part of that passage, the backside of that. Maybe, maybe in a place that you haven't looked at it before. I don't think it's been talked about as much. And maybe help you see it in a, in a little different light. A literal translation in the original language. If anyone is in Christ, new creation. The implication is here that not just the person is the new creation, but all of creation is new. The New English Bible translates it, I think, the best from the original. If anyone is united in Christ, there is a new world. Now, it's not like the world actually changes but our life in Christ enables us to see the world in a different way. We see in a different light. We see through different eyes. There's a company called Second Sight who has recently received its FDA approval to begin U.S. trials of a retinal implant system that will give blind people the ability to see. It is being called bionic eyes. Roger Ponce, a 56-year-old Michigan man, is one of the four in the United States that has been fitted with this digital camera that looks like he's wearing sunglasses. When you ask him, how does this bionic eye work, he says, it's awesome. In an interview in NPR just a couple weeks ago, he said, it's exciting seeing something new every day. I think that's the kind of excitement that Paul was talking about. That's the kind of change I think the Apostle was talking about. A whole new world. He goes on to say, we no longer regard anyone from a human point of view. His point is that rather from 
seeing things from our own narrow perspective with all our prejudice and self-interest and bias, God's Spirit enables us to see the world in a new light. We certainly don't do it perfectly. We don't always do it apart from our own self-interest. But as we walk with Christ, as we grow in relationship with Him, He helps us to see the things that He sees and the way that He sees them. And that's a tough thing for us because one of our favorite pastimes is to talk about how horrible the world is. But if we are a new creation, new creation allows us to see things in a different way. You might, some of you remember the movie Nanny McPhee. It's about a widower who has uh, this group of obnoxious kids that have run off 17 consecutive nannies. These are some tough, terrible kids. Or another way to look at them, a group of hurting kids who needed someone to listen and to love. Anyway, Nanny McPhee just shows up at the door one day and she's not much to look at. She's got two warts on her face. She's got a big thing on the end of her nose and she's got this one tooth that hangs down. Um, She almost looks like she's from maybe the South, Charlie, somewhere in there. I don't know. Uh, Except to give Charlie a hard time. She is not the most attractive woman. In fact, in the movie, I think there's even pictures where she's uglier. I just couldn't find one to show you. The children, they do their best to run her off, just like just like they try to run everybody off. But she won't leave. And as the movie progresses and they begin to respect her, they begin to actually, actually have some love for Nanny McPhee. And as the movie progresses, her, her appearance actually begins to change. One of the kids says, didn't she used to have two words? And by the time it comes to the end of the movie, she's a lovely woman. But the question in, in the viewer's mind remains, Did she change or did the ones who were looking at her change? Was she perhaps beautiful all the way along, but but because of the circumstances of life, they weren't able to see it? You see, to be in Christ, as Paul puts it, is to have our, our imagination, our vision expanded so that we might see the world the way God sees the world. Lots of people are in difficult situations. Folks find themselves sometimes in a mess and sometimes they get themselves in it through difficult choices and terrible choices. And the reason sometimes that we hear they make those choices is is they'll say, well, I had no other option. There was nothing else I could do in this situation. But so often our options are limited because our vision is limited. How do we know there wasn't another option? Maybe the problem was not limited options. Maybe, Maybe the problem was limited vision. Maybe we're stuck in always trying to at things from a human point of view, but as Paul puts it, we need to see the world from a new perspective. Seeing the world with new eyes can be difficult and it might get us in trouble and it certainly will cost us in a lot of ways. What if instead of seeing rich and poor and old and young and newcomers and old timers and Democrats and Republicans and conservatives and liberals, what if instead we saw people? What if we looked at others and simply saw children of God with all of the potential that the Father always wanted them to have. Pastor Christina Berry tells about going to work every day and she'd get off the freeway, go out down the, uh, the off-ramp. When she got to the bottom of the, of the off-ramp, every day there'd be a group of people there with cardboard signs saying, homeless, help me, need work, all kinds of things, those signs, you've seen them. And she, she writes, I knew if I looked at them, I couldn't look at them because they would come over to my car window and they would hold out their hands. And I knew the best thing to do for them was to give money to the shelters and agencies. 
And I knew the thoughts that went through my mind were not always charitable, she writes, when I'd say things like, why don't you get some help or get a job? She said, I also knew that some of the feelings I had of fear and disdain weren't really Christian. And she says, I didn't like that about myself. So I decided to begin a new discipline in my life. A new discipline that I would see those men and women as God sees them. I decided that that every one of them at one point was a sweet little baby held by a mother, gazed by a father, wrapped in a blanket with tiny little hands. And I decided that I would look at those men and women in that way. And she said, it just about undid me. She says, every day I would see this one particular man there, disheveled, half drunk, and I would think of him as a baby, as his mother's child, and it nearly broke my heart. I tried to see him as God saw him, and it broke my heart to action in order to go change the situation. And her story goes on, but what if, what if we began a discipline in our own lives that said, I'm going to choose. The default is going to be for me. I'm going to see people with the eyes of God. It's one of the reasons that we participate in the Serve Ponderay. There's plenty of people in Ponderay that don't need our help, but there's a few people who need our help that, you know what, they've made some poor choices. They've made some choices that have got themselves in there. That's not why we go. There's folks that just sometimes the circumstances. We go because we want to say, God loves you. You're a brother and sister. We're on equal footing. I don't care what choices you make. I don't care what what places you've been. Those don't matter. We are here to say we love you. The default is you're a child of the king. And so am I. Which means we're in this together. Seeing with new eyes. Seeing with new vision. Seeing that the whole world is out there can be freeing and also can bring heartache. And it will change things, but if it changes things, it first changes us. Because a new way of seeing a new creation is to look ourselves in the mirror. And I don't know about you, when I look in the mirror in the morning, I'm not sure I see a new creation every morning. I see a guy with gray cropping into the beard and a long to-do list. And too many people, when they look in the mirror, see someone beaten down by life, someone of little worth, someone who can't get it right, someone who's not smart enough, someone who's not capable enough, not good enough. Can I just once again be another voice that speaks into your life? That's not what God sees. That is not what God sees when He looks at you. God sees beautiful children. And not only that, He sees ambassadors. He sees partners in the kingdom. Ambassadors for Christ who represent Christ to others and who work for reconciliation and who are out there who are, who are being the church and being the hands and feet of God in the midst of the world wherever He plants us around the globe or across the street. His children. I notice on Facebook with my friends who live in different parts of the country, graduation ceremonies are beginning. We're kind of late in our part of the world, but we will celebrate our graduates, I think, two weeks from today. But graduation is this time where, where all the dreams are in front of you. All the vision of life is in front of you. And I am afraid that if we are honest, too many of us stop dreaming sometime back there. If Christ is in us, new creation, maybe regardless of our age, we need to be about the business of dreaming new dreams. 
I read this week about a pastor who made a bucket list. You know, that's the list that, of things that you want to do before you die. And this is the list. This is what he wrote. He said, I'd like to go overseas to England or Israel. I'd like to teach in a school, preferably a seminary. I'd like to write a book that somebody would actually publish. And I'd like to play this one I like. I like to play on a basketball team designed for those under six feet and over the age of 40. That's me. He says, then I stopped and I read through my list again. He says, it was a pitiful list. It was an inconsequential list. He said, I threw it away in the corner. I took out a fresh piece of paper and I made a second list. And this is what he wrote. I'd like to love my wife passionately with love that brings her joy. I'd like to be a good parent. I'd like to practice daily making my son laugh. I'd like to be a good friend. I'd like to be there for my friends so that they know I'm there in times of trouble and they know I'm there for no reason at all. I'd like to be part of a church that catches a vision of the kingdom. I'd like to serve a church that sees equality of people and celebrates the grace of God. I'd like for Christ to teach me to live each day to the fullest. And that's a bucket list. That's a list that sometimes we think we have these huge things to accomplish. What about if we start with today? What about if we start with the person next door? What about if we start in ways in looking at this new creation through the lens of the God who created it? If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. But there are implications There are implications to this creation. We do not see a world in dollars and cents. It's not that money doesn't mean anything. It's just that our choices aren't based primarily on whether they benefit us or not. We value relationships at least as much, at least as much as we do getting our lists done. We do not measure success simply in terms of winning or losing, but we think about the impact of our actions and, and how that affects the people that are around us. Paul tells us that he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And let's face it, reconciliation is a foreign concept for much of the world in which we live. We see others not simply as friends or colleagues or clients or students or individuals, whether we know them or not, we look at others as children of God. We are a people of hope. We do not put limitations on what God might do. As bleak as our circumstances might be, we are reminded that not even Good Friday was the last word. And then being part of this community, part of this body of Christ, means that we together are called to, to develop bigger imaginations. See, our goal as a church is not institutional survival. It's not just to stay in business. It's not, it's not just to have a, a nice sign or a good website. It's not all of those things. Our goal as a church, our calling as a church, is the transformation of lives. I would much rather invest in a group of people whose lives go deeper than preach to thousands who don't do anything with this new creation. Our calling toward the growth is toward people and relationships through God's Spirit so that we might be a people, a new creation that makes a difference in the world. So from now on, we regard no one with a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do no so longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, new creation has come. 
The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And as he committed to us the message of reconciliation, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God himself is making an appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What if, what if we made a new discipline of our life to be a people who sees the creation as He sees it? Even that one who drives us crazy. And you know you have one. What if our default began to be people who looked at others as children of God no matter what their circumstances are and we saw ourselves implored by Christ to share the good news of a God who doesn't look at them in the midst of circumstance but who looks at them as His child. How might that change our life? Father, as we move into this week, we give thanks for these words. We give thanks for this challenge. We want to be a people who see others as you see them. We want to be a people who are about your mission. We want to be a people who are about your vision. We want to imagine new things, not in some kind of grand scale, but just being faithful to the day-in, day-out place you've called us to be. So help us. Help us to not just enjoy this new creation we have through a, the, the relationship we have because of Jesus Christ. Help us not to be people who gather in some kind of holy huddle and enjoy this life, but help us to be a people who see the world, who walk into the world, who walk into even the tough places, who walk into our neighbors or our job sites or the restaurants or Walmart or wherever you call us to go. And everywhere we look, to see your sons and daughters who have yet to choose to come home. May we be your hands and feet. In Jesus' name, amen.